Today on Gaming the Podcast, we are talking about both video games and about Dungeons and Dragons. Specifically, we're talking about how we interpret each of them differently from one another, both while we're in there playing them and how we think about them when we're not playing them. I am, I'm glad to say, still John Robertson and I'm to be joined by Stace Harmon. Together, we are Indie by Design. We are video game design consultants and we create books that celebrate the history, culture and art of video games. You can find out more about us by following us on Twitter, we are at Indie by Design, or by visiting our website, IndieByDesign.net. That's enough from me, here's Stace Harmon. Since last week's podcast, um, I've been playing a lot more Hitman 3 and we talked last week about... Uh, how Hitman 3 um, is designed and how there's this notion of repetition and freedom and how one informs the other and sometimes they work with each other, sometimes they work against each other. And I've gone back into Hitman and I've been playing it from a much more, uh, I guess, self-narrative-led way of looking at it. So the the goals of each level perhaps have taken a bit of a backseat to the way that I'm going about it. Um, and we talked about this a bit last week that it's like this toolbox or this toy box of, of things that you have that can then determine how you can approach, um, any given level. And off the back of that, I mean, you and I both play D and D and we both played D and D recently. And that, that brings up some similar points. I think that there's, there's the, the way that you, approach D&D is going to, of course, determine the experience that you have. But on a broader perspective, the way that it's designed, both Hitman, D&D and video games in general, the way that these things are designed and the the fundamentals that underpin the experiences can very heavily influence the way that players approach those experiences. So is, I mean, that's a thing that with Hitman, it's not, I don't think it's immediately obvious that you, you know, that, that, that for me, the biggest point is to just play around with it. Like it's a, there's a rating system. There's a, you get ranked out of five stars, but really the, yeah, the, the core thing for me is that the experiential side of it, the, and the, it's been designed, I think, to facilitate that almost for me and more, more sort of specifically than it has been designed for you to get the best ranking. Um, and that's, I mean, you played D&D at the weekend, just gone. And is that a thing that you, like when you approach D&D, how are you using those, like the design fundamentals, how are you using that to to inform your experience? Are you very much like a rules-based person? Are you more of a um, experience-based person for D&D? Yeah. Um, so I think just by start by saying D&D, meaning Dungeons and Dragons for all the muggles, yep, muggles out there. That's um, worth reiterating. Um, so yeah, I guess the biggest difference um, between how I approach D&D in, in a general sense versus how I might um, approach a game is that I've, I view them as D&D being a fully open system of design and video games as being a more closed one. And I don't mean that. I know that can sound open and open being positive and closed being negative, but I don't necessarily mean it like that. So, I mean, openness um, in relation to D&D, meaning that kind of anything is possible in that the game is being governed by a dungeon master who is interpreting the rules and only using the rules as written in the books insofar as to create the best 
experience possible. If the experience is going to be mm. best by making exceptions to those rules and allowing things to happen that um, that go against what the rules say, or even what went what happened in your previous game, for example, then if it fits the story, the sort of joint storytelling, the collaborative storytelling that everyone's involved in, if it fits that and sort of buffs that and makes that more interesting, then it'll be allowed. Whereas in a game, it's closed in the sense that the rules are the rules and you can't go against Mm. those rules. Even in something as open as Hitman, the rules are still the rules. You can't undermine the rules. You can't ask for a free pass on this one. You can't you can't plead your case and say, oh, but it'll be really cool if this happens. Like, no, you can't. It's it's done. So I think the to answer the question more directly, like how do I approach um, the two things differently? I think, yeah, I approach D&D with a sense of I can, cause, so kind of if I can legitimize it and I can argue my case as to why it's cool or just like make it so cool that it's just everyone's just like yeah okay let's just do that like that's great and Mm. the dm agrees Mm. then you can kind of let your creativity go wild in in that space kind of unrestricted or less restricted whereas in even in the most open games like to use the uh, to use rpgs as an example the most closely related thing to D, like even in something like divinity I'm still, when I'm thinking about it creatively, you're still working in the constraints of what's possible in the game. Mm. So you're immediately second guessing all of the stuff that you're potentially going to do to, to try to, is the game even going to be, even going to allow me to do this? Or is it just a complete waste of my time trying to think yeah. like that? And is that, do you think where, like, is there a different outcome if a game a video game is bending the rules or allowing you to break the rules or is breaking those rules uh, on you or is kind of inflicting broken rules upon you. Is there a, is there an outcome other than that seeming unfair or inconsistent that exists? Like, is that, is that the problem? It's hard to, it's hard to have rules where, you know, this person, I mean, again, to use Hitman, it's like everybody in Hitman can see the same distance. Everybody in Hitman, it's a running joke, but everybody in Hitman has this seeming blind spot for this guy walking around who is obviously a psychopath. I mean, that's something I've I've seen a lot more of in some of the narrative, some of the dialogue choices or or not choices, but dialogue that plays out. He's being set up very much as a, as a psychopath and the humour is in the, the fact that nobody sees that. But if... And that, and it works because it's all, it's consistent. Like everybody has the same like vision cone and everybody, and you can use that, uh, not against the game, but you can use that in order to sculpt your own experiences. So yeah, but is there, is there like a, a, a time or a place where that is, it feels anything other than unfair if the game is doing that? to you yeah probably probably not i mean it feels which is which is odd because in most video games you have many more tools you're you're easily the thing of great power normally mm. in if for, for the for the vast majority of the game um i don't know take any old game like metal gear solid or whatever for the vast majority of that game you're the one with all the power you're way more powerful than all the grunts that you come up against and you've got way more tools to use than them mm. uh the bosses will often be more powerful than you in the sense that they've got things that you can't do and they'll bend the rules and they've got way more health and all that stuff and they can just do things that the game had previously said is impossible but even then you've you've almost always got more tools than they have because you've still got many more means of defeating them than they have against you they might have like three or four moves that you can do you've probably got 10 that you can do 
against them. Um, but I think, yeah, I think when video games, uh, when video games present things to you that run contrary to how they've taught you the game runs, then yes, they can, they can, they t- tend to feel unfair. Mm. And I mean, games sometimes use that to their advantage, like boss fights again, uh, are I think the one where that's kind of accepted, I guess. Um, mm. <clears throat> I'm thinking like Demon Souls or like Bloodborne and uh, Ninja Gaiden, like the games with like really, or even like Zelda, games with like really prominent bosses. Um, they cheat all the time. <laughs> they literally yeah. cheat all the time. Like you fire, they, they still cheat within like the, within the within an an understandable. I mean, that's I guess where pattern recognition comes from. But they they cheat within an understandable matrix of potential results and outcomes right Mm. like it's a question of learning how they're cheating and then and then adapting your approach to that rather than like it being they're never they're never really truly unpredictable or like oh no no there's like you know that 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 typical boss design of like phased approach of phase one is this and then they use these attacks and then phase two and you uncover the big red dot like resident evil yeah exactly yeah Yeah. but then i said so one of that's something that i just considered but as you were talking then that perhaps when video games really want to break the rules is when you is like you'll see that in cutscenes they'll use cutscenes when they want to break the rules and do things that are complete completely nonsensical like you all of a sudden in a cutscene i don't know in metal gear you can get disarmed like you your gun can be knocked out of your hand or something like that that in the game that doesn't happen or a guard can spot you from the other side of the map or high up in a tower and take a pot shot at you that in the game that doesn't happen they don't have weapons that fire that far or whatever it might be so that's perhaps that's where they're they're yeah they they breaking of the rule stuff yeah i guess um i guess that's also an interesting difference between video games and D actually is that those where games would use those more like okay we need to take control out of the player's hands now and use a cutscene because we need this thing to happen and it's not going to be very dramatic or high intention um if we adhere to these rules that the guards can only see mm. three feet in front of them <laughs> and they take ages to reload the weapon or whatever they, they, we need to go around that because i guess in D that doesn't really happen because you don't really have cutscenes in the same way and the or oh, that way some dms might use cutscenes but um in D&D, those narrative moments happen under what are largely the same rule set as combat in that you're still rolling dice, you're still checking the same checks, you're still adding this, adding a set of numbers to whatever dice you roll, you're still having to use saving throws and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, I hadn't really considered that before, but I guess that's an interesting difference is everything that happens in D&D takes place under this consistent rule set whereas in games it doesn't so those inconsistencies in games i guess are more uh visible they're more open for to create sort of like a dissonance in your mind as to when they when they pop up whereas in D D you don't get that dissonance because even uh you know your charisma check to see if you persuaded the guy might be in your mind thematically very different to the sort of saving throw that you make against an attack but actually they're the same thing the mechanics behind them are the same um whereas video games can't really get away with that because they don't have that all-encompassing system that governs 
of everything that they do and i guess they don't have that because the dm the dnd system is so open to interpretation that they've come up with a system that can include basically everything in this one very um customizable system whereas in games you have to make a video games you have to make it much more direct and strict and quote-unquote closed um in order to create those moments and again i don't mean close as a negative because like close does mean that video games can do things that D can't like these incredible escape events that are really high tension and high paced and you know that they they're they're better video games tend to be a bit better balanced um and therefore feel fairer often um than D, and you can have a more authored story that like has a succinct beginning middle and end that is really dramatic whereas in D, &D it depends on the quality of your group as to how how that's going to play out yeah yeah and that's i think that's a yeah there's an important distinction because as i think as we have already said and if we haven't we will now that it's not that one is better than the other by any means they lead to different experiences and they lead to different uh, approaches. But that's kind of the point that you understand, if not going into it, then very quickly, after spending a little bit of time in that world, you you come to understand what is and isn't possible through those rule sets. And and something like, you know, Skyrim going up, the typical example of like going and speaking to somebody or any, I mean, anything really, any video game that has dialogue trees, that you it's important that you understand as the player when you've reached the end of that dialogue tree. And as, as cliche as it is, and as, as, you know, as much as we deride it, because they just, the NPC just stands there on a loop saying the same thing over and over again, we need to understand where the boundaries are. Because in a game of D&D, &D, that can just be the DM role-playing an NPC and being far more kind of, I guess, a far more human reaction is like, the NPC getting the ump that you just keep asking them the same questions or saying to you, like, what yeah. are you talking about? And in video games, you don't have that. We need a different marker for saying you've exhausted this line of questioning. It yeah. doesn't work like that. Yeah. Well, I think in some way that's kind of, um, I guess it's harder to find a, a game of D and D that really suits how you want to play than it is to find a game that you really want to play mm. because with a game you kind mm. of you go in and you submit to the rules of the game and you know that that's the only way to play but with well it's not the only way to play but the, the rule systems are there and the ways of playing are these ways of playing there's might be mm. more more than one way of playing but there will be a limited number of ways of playing whereas in D and D, if you go into it thinking anything is possible um but you want this thing out of that possibility tree then you might find a hard time with that because unless you find a game that other people also agree that that's the point of possibility that they also want to engage in, you might be really frustrated. So if you're someone who mm. just keeps asking mm. the DM, this NPC, the same question because they want a specific answer and you're annoyed because you're treating it like a Skyrim dialogue thing in yeah. which you know that this person's yeah. got the answer, but they're not telling it to you. So it's really, so you're annoyed from that video gamey perspective that might not sit well with people who are there more just for the role play rather than just to sort of min max the responses that you're getting from all the MP NPCs all the time. So, mm. um, so I guess that's another consideration uh, as to how the potential for D uh, the, the way that D and D rules are set up versus how video games are set up is I think finding a D and D game 
is hard in that sense because not everyone while D has got all this range of possibilities no player wants all of those possibilities like they will yeah. want a version yeah. of that yeah there's a quote right like I don't, it's uh something to the effect of choices too many choices make a tyrant of us all or something to that effect that it's yeah it's it's understand coming together for a multiplayer game in a video game yeah you're all playing to the same rule set and you might you might have an interpretation of of approach that means that your experience is slightly different insofar as i might go in all guns blazing you might go in more stealth or whatever it might be something you know that's quite a basic example but it's you're still playing within the rule set that you all understand and you're coming together there's like a social contract of you're coming together understanding that you you don't expect anybody on the you know in your ear if you're playing online to be moaning about how such and such is unfair because oh i don't want to play like that and it's well we all understand that that's what the game is people might people might complain that something's unfair because you've clipped through a wall or you know people are cheating as in literally using aim bots or whatever it might be but there's there are far fewer complaints about how you're spoiling my fun because i don't want to play the game like that so well that was the that was the 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 sort of the gate uh, you know you, when you came in the barrier to entry was you understand that you're you're playing in this way whereas in D&D you don't necessarily have that i mean you can sit down and all talk about that up front but until you're presented with a situation you don't necessarily know that the rogue player all they want to do is come out the shadows backstab go back into the shadows and that's they're not interested in doing anything else and for them that's a good game and that's fair enough but for you that might not be it might be like well actually I want to see what this guy's got to say for themselves. Yeah. I I'd, to, you know. I'd love to play a game of D and D in which every per, every player just had one move. That's all they that's all they wanted to do. <laughs> like the rogue only did stealth kills, and the wizard only cast fireball, and the bard only gave bardic inspiration. That's the only things they ever do. It's like oh now now you're now you're in an audience with the king, and the rogue just tries to assassinate the king, and the wizard fires fireball at the king, uh, and, the, and the bard is inspiring everyone while they do it, including the king. Um, that would be quite a funny game um i want so i i guess uh, some of the some of the differences between the design fundamentals of how D is created to be experienced and how video games are created to be experienced and obviously it's, it's kind of a fool's errand to try to um encapsulate all of video games in one single uh umbrella as though they're all one in the same design fundamentals they're not but mm. i think I think there are some things that uh, sort of connect the vast majority of them, like, you know, the idea of having a fail state and a success state and probably mm. some sort of ability to determine how much success you got and how much failure you got. Um, whereas D&D doesn't necessarily have that based on, depending on how you play. If you want to play just for the narrative, then there might not be a fail state at all because even a death, uh, your character dying mm. might not be considered a failure. It might just be a cool narrative moment and that's amazing. So I guess from that perspective, yeah. like if someone's playing like that, do you see, is D&D even a video game? Uh, no, it's not a video game. Is, is D&D <laughs> even a game at all like if someone's literally if it's just improv if it's just storytelling uh and death and failure in mm. the failure to, to defeat the boss and whatever is all just part of an ongoing narrative and the narrative's really fun and entertaining then is and there's no failure um through the normal mm. means of you know dying or whatever uh is is D can we even describe it as a game well i think i think D has the 
power to be a game, but I don't think that that's all D&D is. And I don't say all in any sort of limiting way as if that would be a negative if it were just a game. Because, because you can play it very, you know, back in the day, the very, very early experiences of D&D were, I think, far more game-like because they were far more, you go through this dungeon, you go room by room. They were, yeah, they were far more, I think, uh, not, I mean, I wasn't playing at that time, but they, they seem to be, from what I understand, far more defined by this. these are the rules. You can carry this much stuff. You can, if you're going to have a rest, then you need to potentially uh, make sure that you've pegged closed the door so that you don't get, otherwise you're going to get ambushed. It's, it was far more like, how many rooms have we cleared? How many, how, how far along this progress track are we? How much loot have we gathered? How much XP have we gained? It was far more like that, and I think that has not to say that there weren't there wasn't a myriad of examples of how you could then role play and and interpret those rules, of course. But I think D and D has become, to, as as I understand it, has kind of opened out more, and it has grown to be. It, it's grown to have the potential to be all things to all players, to an extent, but. Even well, that's not edition. necessarily a good thing. Yeah, fifth edition, and I think the influx of people to it has, and different types of players, people who have never played before watching something like Critical Role, or people who have grown up on video games and played Skyrim and or RPGs and want to replicate some kind of experience like that in D&D. D&D can be that thing for those people. I think, and this is potentially veering into a different conversation, but the the question for me there is, is D&D the best example of that thing that you're looking for? It's the most popular. It's the thing that people know, like role-playing, tabletop role-playing games and D&D are synonymous with one another. But the experience you're looking for in D&D, you might be able to get from another tabletop role-playing game better. Like if you don't, if you want to go into D&D and not really deal with the combat, it's like, well, there's probably better tabletop role-playing games out there for you you don't need to play D&D it's just that's everybody's kind of touching point for tabletop role-playing games so in that sense yes I think it, it can certainly be a game but I think it can also certainly be an experience that isn't that doesn't share a lot of similarities with what we typically understand to be games so yeah I yeah, think it's both I think with fifth edition and fifth editions more D&D fifth editions more uh greater focus on improvisation and being a bit lax with the rules and being able to give empower players to kind of do these crazy mad giant things all the time rather than sticking to like a rigid rule set of no your sword can mm. only swipe this far and no you can only definitely definitely can't do that definitely can't uh push that spell with that spell and you can't interact in that way between your turns or whatever like fifth edition you can do basically whatever you want mm. um and i think where that really is highlights where the difference um, between that approach to a video game approach is most obvious is actually in the games that try to be like D and D, like Baldur's Gate three, for example, in early access now. But but take any of them, you know, Divinity and Skyrim, whatever. These games are clearly influenced a lot by well, as as all RPGs are and JRPGs, very influenced by D and D originally. Um, but with Baldur's Gate three, for example, like so in one of my D and D games i play a bard who's um just illusion heavy just illusions all over the place um and does like loads of crazy stuff with that and it's really just about what your 
what you what you can creatively conjure up in your mind sort of uh, uh sort of brought in check by what the dm will allow mm. um but you can do loads of stuff whereas in borders with, with illusions you can do loads of stuff whereas in borders gate 3 you can't really use illusions for anything other than distracting the enemy because mm. how do they program in a system in which we now will just allow the player to just say okay like type in what what illusion you want like what's the illusion gonna look like uh well you can't you can't do that yeah. so i think those the games that are trying to be most like D D or or are built on D D rule sets are actually the ones that highlight the differences between the two things more than any more than any other games yeah 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 i mean that's yeah I was, I was thinking about those games that are based on the rule set so yeah like Baldur's gate and the original two Baldur's gates as well and and star wars as well knights of the old republic that notion of like here is a here is a recognizable D D system that i understand it to be that there's dice rolls that there's critical hits that there's like spell slots and and other such um kind of furniture that's that's not just borrowed from D D, but in some cases is is literally D D's rule set and that I think it does. Yeah, that can highlight the that can hi- highlight the the restrictions or the differences between playing D and D in real life and playing it in video game form. But I think the the advantage it has is that it even if you don't play D and D and never have and have no interest in that, building something upon the rule set of it that can still appeal to people is that's kind of where the freedom comes from. It's like we've got this rule set and people come into this understand that there is a system in place that's underpinning this and even if you don't understand the system specifically itself you understand some of the language of it you understand some of the you know i don't know if you've got dice rolls turned on in like thinking back to the original Baldur's gate you would see the dice roll and you would see that it was a natural 19 plus your hit modifier plus your you know weapon and equally if you're trying if you're being hit there's an armor class value and so it the language that it uses communicates a a systems heavy approach and it, i i i don't know it kind of, it feels like it kind of allows you to not worry about it it's like i don't need to understand these rules i just need to understand that there are yeah yeah you can just engage enjoy engaging with them instead yeah and it's like that kind of frees and divinity i think does that very well with it frees you up with your approach to problems because you understand that you understand that this is within the rules like the rules are supporting what i'm trying to do even though the language we tend to use for those things is you might say like oh yeah well we skanked that that puzzle or we just like we use this teleporting thing to bypass this entire section in a game of real life D, you would potentially consider that to be clever oh we bypassed this thing by doing this it would become a narrative kind of uh point a narrative sort of um victory but in D based games in terms of video games we i think i feel like we look at that in a different way almost like it's cheating even though it's based on the rules it's like oh well yeah we didn't interact with that in the way that we believe as a video game it was intended to be interacted with even though the rules allowed it and that that's and i think that's another like sort of example of not just the rule set but the design and the thing that you're approaching uh informs how you view it and yeah, how yeah, you for interpret sure. it as a player and i think yeah. that's and, and i think those strictly implemented rules in games um whether it's D rules or a version of D rules or whatever rules have 
um, a giant advantage because like when you do overcome problems within the strict boundaries of the rules that you do feel clever like you do feel like yes like i've i've done it like i've i've played their game and i've beaten them at their own rules um and that closeness of the rules like you were saying like does mean that you can put more effort into how do i overcome a problem whereas if it's really if the system's really open like D&D, fifth edition then until you get to a point of extreme knowledge there's a lot of time just reading can i how can i actually do this like okay i can come up with anything but i need to understand at some point how i can do it within the rule sets or what do i need to roll to do this or what are the limitations on it so there's a lot of time just messing around asking the dm dm doesn't know you're trying to come up with an idea a solution at the table you're trying to refer to rule books and try to figure out what the rules are um so it's messy whereas in you know until you're super confident and you're super au fait with all the rules and stuff or the rules that you want to use um <clears throat> whereas in video games you don't have that you can you can just feel safe in the knowledge of okay the game's going to take care of that for me and i'm just mm. going to now just work put all of my creative effort put all of my energy into uh actions rather than yeah. how i perform the actions um so yes. that's yeah, a huge yeah, advantage that, yeah that that leads to things like you can have so like suboptimal decisions that you would have in D D, like i don't know like you roll your stats up front and you get a six or something ridiculous for one of your stats you might then make that a point of how you're going to play the game like yeah my person's got six charisma so they are super blunt they're super you know they're, they're whatever it is and you don't well some people might want to play like that yes some people, for some might people rolling that. that would be like oh man what that's that's just ridiculous that yeah. i've got this rubbish stat so yeah for sure it's not a, it's not a given but D allows you to do that and i mean are there video games that allow you to do that like where you you get punished like, so forget it. the stats thing well this is it forget the stats thing but in terms of suboptimal decisions or even i suppose even uh like so the witcher game. does a bit like you can you can make decisions in the witcher that would be like oh no like you've now sort of messed up these people's lives in the world but but that does become just like a part of the wider narrative fabric yeah and, and in divinity it happens as well um but i don't know but those are not suboptimal decisions that relate to your presence and your ability to no. impact the world they're subop they're quote-unquote suboptimal in that you haven't got the quote-unquote good ending like for those people you've yeah. got the bad ending but yeah i don't know if there's many examples of... a, i suppose there's even but then even the suboptimal stuff there is kind of a a, a, a notion of using that as in D D, you might say oh i don't know i'm going to try and steal such and such and your wisdom might be really low and somebody might be saying to you this is a really bad idea because we need this person on our side and you're like okay well i'm going to let the dice decide i'm going to roll this you know wisdom saving throw and oh i failed kind of knowing probably i was going to because the odds are stacked against me literally the number odds based on my stats and so i'm going to do it anyway and there's like a playing it for laughs or playing it for like i'm going to let that decide yeah well i guess that comes down to role playing doesn't it because like i think a lot of groups if you had the low wisdom and it was a wisdom that was a knowing the group knew that it was a wisdom check and the person with the really low wisdom is the one that's going in to do it and mm. a lot of groups say so what are you doing like you're the one with the really low wisdom and that's obviously gaming it which a lot of people don't like a lot of people are fine with it so it's whatever you want to do but mm. um 
but it could be that your character with the low wisdom is also got uh you know his his her personality is just really obnoxious and just goes in doesn't think about the consequences and just bursts in so like it could be even if it fails it could be a great moment in the game mm. um but yeah i can't really think of many video games that would allow that sort of system where you've quote-unquote failed the role you've gone in and you failed because you're role-playing this character that's stats and then you get a good outcome like to bring it back to hitman at the start if you go in and just fumble it like it's not Mm. like and then you get seen it's like well i'm reloading like i'm not just i'm not just playing this out now um but then yeah i guess but that is where that yeah where your approach and where your approach to something like hitman is if it's goal-based to get five stars on every level or if it's i will see how this plays out and it's more narrative based potentially you get seen that becomes its own thing because you then you then have you know you end up piling up the bodies just to just to rectify your mistake as it were. yeah i guess so but but I, I guess for me the difference is that in hitman you'll eventually replay that whether it's starting a whole level again mm, immediately or later true. whereas yeah, in yeah. gate and yeah. D you can't like yeah. it's done now well yeah and that's that's actually a key thing isn't it that's that is a key thing because if you in D, if you try and leap over a pit and you fall in there needs to be a no you didn't make it but this happens like there needs to be that, that and if there, I mean, forwards, say there needs to be yeah because if there isn't it's no you fell into the pit you got impaled on the spikes you're dead the end in video games that can happen as mario you can fall down the gap because you're just gonna go back and try it again yeah tomb raider one i was always falling in pits god <laughs> she didn't have a, each, each instance of her reality each instance of lara's life I mean, my tomb raider is not very long well, that, and that, but that even becomes its own thing, doesn't it? Because here's all the imaginative ways that you can kill Lara Croft. Like it's, it becomes its own ridiculous sort of set of uh, experiences. How many imaginative ways have you found to kill Lara Croft? Send your answers on a digital postcard, please, to our Twitter. We are at Indie by Design on all social media platforms. That's at Indie by Design. If you like the episode, then please do leave us a five-star review on iTunes as it helps enormously in getting in front of fresh eyes and fresh ears. And if you're interested in books on the art, culture, and history of video games, then you should head over to our website, IndieByDesign.net. That's IndieByDesign.net, where you can find such books made by us for you. Our books include Oddworld Abe's Origins, which is a complete visual history of Oddworld inhabitants, going all the way back to Abe's Odyssey on PS1 all the way up to the upcoming Soulstorm on PS5. And we're also taking pre-orders for 20 Double Fine Years, which is our big book of everything Tim Schafer and Double Fine Productions. Whatever the case, though, I hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>